This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Episode 23 of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. This With me this week, we have Joe. Hello there. Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Catherine. Hi, everyone. And returning to the podcast, we have Cy. Hey, how's it going? Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me today. I'm a, we're going to run right into the, this first topic because we have so much to cover today and i i, I want to make sure we do it all well so let's talk about this window closing so we we kind of came up onto the window um i think there was a lot of vitriol amongst uh, um uh, fans um it didn't seem like we were making enough moves we had some moves that kind of fell apart at the last minute and uh, we kind of landed on two guys and then a bunch of exits so let's talk about this uh um th- this window as a whole joe yeah, I think it's hard to analyze because it depends kind of the way you look at it. If if you say, did we fill all of the areas we needed to strengthen? I would say, no, we didn't because we didn't. Kane's still our only striker and we don't really have a right wing back other than Doherty or playing Emerson, who's not really a right wing back. Um, so there's kind of two glaring holes at least. But then again, if you flip the question and say, did we bring in good players I think we definitely did bring in two really good players I know we're going to talk about them more as we go on and talk about the Brighton game I think they're both really good signings for us um so in that in that respect it's been a success but I don't think we addressed all the positions so it can't like I say it kind of depends on your perspective here how you're going to uh, analyze it well I think Joe that you can't expect or at least I know I didn't expect Tottenham to make a flurry of signings, especially during the earlier weeks, because we never do that. Uh, so people need to temper their expectations for for it, because nobody's doing anything anyways in the January transfer window. Plus, it's been, it's a topic that everyone's covered on every Tottenham podcast, but that we have the stadium, we have signings that we should have been loaning out or sold um, over the past two, three years, but it didn't happen until now. And so um, I think that that's something that needs to be said about why we only brought in two players. Although like Joe, you, you mentioned that you're looking forward to seeing them and, and we'll talk about them a little bit more in, during the Brighton, when we talk about the Brighton game. But I think um, personally, I'm pleased with the signings. And although we didn't like what Joe said, we didn't get all of the players that we should have or could have. That wasn't my expectation, but I'm not the normal fan, I don't think. But um, I think that it's it's a start, though, so... Well, and and, let, and let's talk about the those two players a little bit. And we have two questions that kind of ask us about the those players. Uh, Shubes is the 
the first one. Um, uh, we we understand your joke. Tommy's not on today to to, to about buying his uh, kit, but um, but Shubes asked us a good question about um, what do we think of the new boys, and then um, Big Bird also brings up uh, uh, did we need any part of our team reinforced uh, more than our midfield? Uh, do we? now hope to cross paths with Chelsea again this season. We'll, we'll get into that part later, but like, uh, um, was the midfield what we needed to reinforce? Uh, clearly we had other holes, um, but was this a gaping problem? Um, let's let Lucas tackle next. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it was. Um, as far as the signings themselves, it's just, it's, it's always early. Um, we've only got a little bit of a look at them on Saturday there, but we won't know whether or not this was a successful window for maybe two years down the road. You just can't tell. I mean, look at all of us. We thought that window where we got La Celso and Ndombele in, that that was like the best window ever. We were all over the moon about that. And here we are at this window, just patting them on the back saying, good riddance, see you later. Because, I mean, it's been a failed experiment on both those counts. But um, I think the thing I was most happy with the window was definitely some of the offloadings, uh, getting some of the guys out that may not have been, and, and not even from a talent perspective, but some of the guys that may not have been uh, in the dressing room that may not have been on board with Conti or dead weight, so to speak. So it, it definitely seems that um, from a financial aspect to unload some of those contracts or even get guys, uh, even like Brian Hill getting out on loan, I think that's going to be great for him. So I was I was really excited about the outgoing stuff that we did. Uh, that was really good business, I think. And for, in terms of the incoming thing, I think, yeah, midfield was huge. Um, if we can get a little bit of depth there and have a little bit of room to play so that guys like Hoybier and Winks and or, uh, no, uh, uh, Skip, for example, like guys like that aren't seeing 90 minutes every single day, I think will be massively beneficial for us, especially with the run of games that we have coming up with all these uh we still are in the FA Cup, and we also got the added games that we've had postponed, and we'll be playing weekday games and stuff like that. So being able to have confidence in the rotation that you have in the midfield is going to be something that we haven't seen in years. Yeah, Sai, uh, what do you think on um, – let's get into the these actual uh, two players that, that we picked up. Uh, um, what do you think on them? Well, I – I was going to touch on what Lucas just said real quick. That was the point I was going to make. I think the, the biggest part of this uh, whole window was getting getting some people out that needed to go. Um, just just from an attitude or even just uh, need to see different, you know, a different uh, place to play in Delhi's instance. But Ndombele had to get out of the clubhouse. That got done. Um, Lasso got done. Yeah, a couple loans uh, like Hill. That's a great, great move for him. If you, if if, if uh, Skipper uh, Conte is not going to give him any time, um, I just thought that was the most important thing. Yeah, bringing in a couple of midfielders and uh, attacking players were were obviously what we needed, um, and we did we did some of that. I mean, like uh, like Joe said earlier, we don't have another striker for Kane, so you're not going to buy a striker in the middle of January. The guy we want, you're not going to you're not just not going to spend that money. And Levy's proved that for the last decade. So um, I just thought that I thought January went well when it comes to getting people out, getting a couple of fixtures in, trying to get top four and making that the focus. Um, so from that standpoint, I thought the uh, January window was really great. Well, and I know Lucas is wanting to talk, but I know for Sai with your point with getting a striker in, 
that I think is something that most Spurs fans and probably the the office the office brass at Spurs wants to get another striker in but not only are we again in the January transfer window when signings are they're just so obscure like they people go for so many more millions of pounds than they should be or they have really weird contract issues or things of that nature and so we're not going to get a striker in but then also you have to realize not only without speaking in about the January transfer window even though we've needed a striker with Kane in and with being at Tottenham, he's not going to be benched. But then also, any other striker worth their money isn't going to want to sit on the bench for the amount that Tottenham can pay, play them. So that's why they go to City. That's why they go to Chelsea. That's why they go to um, across seas and go to Liga or La Liga or even the Bundesliga. Like, like no wonder. Um, uh, oh God, I'm uh, blanking on his name, um, at Bayern Munich, that he's just getting all of the goals in there because he's getting paid a lot of money to do that. But then also Bayern doesn't really have many other players as first striker on the bench. But um, I'm getting on a tangent. But that's why I think that getting players in midfield and just kind of shoring up our defense and making sure that we have people coming up from the U23s and U18s so then we can kind of strengthen the areas that we know we can't necessarily buy in certain transfer windows like the January transfer window or on occasion during the summer or whatever. So some of it was we had to to, to cut some money so we have the salary this summer when we can get these guys. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I, and I think oh, the big thing, too, is finishing top four is so important for us this year because of if we do want to have that money to spend in the summer, I think finishing top four is going to be a massive part of that. And I think that was something that Paratici and Levy kind of identified this window was that we weren't going to be able to just limp our way into top four without trying to do something now. And that kind of brings me as to where you asked about these two signings themselves, where I, I think both of these guys, I know we only got a 20-minute look apiece at them, but these don't look like guys that are going to need 18 months to try and like acclimate to the Premier League. These look like guys, like they both looked comfortable as hell just slotting in there. Again, Brighton is no bunch of slags. Brighton was a good team and they both slotted in and looked very comfortable. I get we were up with a 3-1 lead, but um, every time that, um, what's his name? Uh, the Swede, uh, uh, Kulis- or Kulichevsky, Kulisevsky. Whatever guys, yeah, every time he got the ball, he looked calm. He looked with his head up and he was looking to play that forward pass every time like Benton got like, he just was flying around. Like he just looked like he was ready to go from the second he walked out there. He looked like no bother, no transition needed. So I think that these two guys could hypothetically give us a boost right now, which is always great to see if we brought these guys in to try and get us to that top four spot, as well as be a part of the future. I, I don't think we would have, it, it doesn't look like they're going to be guys that are, down the line project guys, they look like they could have some kind of impact for us right away, which I think is massive for us going into these next couple of months. Joe. 
I mean, I think these these players are as good as good a level players as we can possibly expect to attract because what Catherine was saying then so true about strikers, right? So like Vlavic has gone to Juve, but he cost an absolute fortune. I think his agent got paid 10 million to broken the, I mean, we're not going to pay an agent 10. It's just not going to happen. Right. Especially in January. It's, it's unrealistic. So to Catherine's point, you either get some old player in like we did with Lorente, who did a decent enough job for a couple of seasons, or you take a chance on a Janssen type player who might be a complete bust like what Janssen ended up being. It's very difficult. Um, but on Kulisevsky and Bentanker, they're, they're both really, really good players. Actually, I tipped Kulisevsky to be the, we did a preview for the Euros and he was my one to watch. And then he went and got COVID. So it like blew up in my face a little bit, but he did well when he played. He's such a good player. And I think Lucas touched on it. Phys- physical wise, his physicality, he's really ready to play in the Premier League. He's very strong. Um, he's two footed, versatile. He can play in so many different positions and he almost got, well, he should have had an assist. I know we're going to talk about the Brighton game specifically, but he almost uh, got um, an assist in the game. He made a good impact. And Ben Tanker looked great as well. I mean, there's a lot of revisionism going on. I see people saying, oh, these are rejects from Juventus. Ben Tanker started almost every game this season. He's made like 20 starts for Juve. Both of them won the league with Juve the year before last. I think Kulisevsky... He's more in and out of the team, but, you know, it's a top team. He was competing with Chiesa, who's one of the best attackers in Europe for that spot. So you can't exactly say that they're, you know, rejects or, or backup players. Um, I think they're both going to do great, and I'm really happy with those signings. Yeah, I think also, if, if you're a reject from Serie A, that would mean that you're pretty much a, a starter in, like, a lower-level Serie A team, because there's a lot of talent in Syria and, and in Italy in general. And so. Yeah. Well, Romero, Romero is a, re- a quote unquote reject. Yeah. He didn't cut, he didn't make it the cut at Juve. And now look at Romero is one of the best. Mm-hmm. He's a great defender. So yeah, you're right. You cannot read anything into, into that idea at all. Also, I, I was thinking of Lewandowski when I was talking about the striker at Bayern Munich. Yeah, I think the narrative gets uh, because we were our first tar- our, the targets that we were going after earliest in the window and and hardest towards the end of the window um, w- fell through. That the narrative or that this was like some crappy backup plan, but these I think these were guys that were ar- already on um, Paratici's uh, wish list and, and Conte's wish list. Um, so I um, I don't think that they were like uh, just fallback options like uh, some of the narrative is. I I think that's what we're running into. Uh, uh, Sai, I think I'm going to let you take this topic home and uh, and we'll wrap up this conversation about um, um, the transfer window. Um, and we probably yeah, sure. should give some credit to some of the outgoing players as well. Yeah, absolutely. But the um... I'm really looking forward to the um, the competition, especially in the midfield now. I mean, with, we've all been on winks really hard for the past almost a season and a half now. I'm really interested to see what Conte is going to do in that midfield. Is it going to be Hoiberg going to get a million starts again, or are we going to see more Skip playing in that role? Are we going to are we going to are we going to see more of a, a shift in that midfield? And and uh, and Benta, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. I'll butcher it. Benta Kerr, 
uh, our new midfielder. I mean, he he looked really really stout for 20 minutes. Now, granted, it's only 20 minutes, but the confidence was what really impressed me. Um, and so uh, I'm just really interested to see. I mean, this other kid, the Swede, is going to be giving uh, Lucas Moore a lot of uh, a lot of time off and give him fresh legs. I mean, wow. I mean, he's already our quickest player, and give him you know a couple games here and there. You might see even a more explosive Lucas Moore coming. Just just giving guys time off, I think, is going to be a big benefit to our, our club going forward. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, a- anybody else have final thoughts to wrap up this uh, window conversation? Lucas? Yeah, just quickly, um, big shout-out to Delhi. Um, it's a bummer that we're parting ways, but it's it needed to happen, and for a guy like that, the memories and the moments he's given us and the effort he's given us over the last several years. Um, it's been a really special ride having him. Um, so he'll always be one of my favorite players and I hope the best of his career. And I hope that he can kind of always suck when he plays against us and always do his best to take our enemies down a peg or two and do us some favors out there at Everton. So best of luck. I hope he can get back to where his level was and maybe get some more England caps and kind of revitalize his career because he, he deserves it. Hell of a kid. Joe? Cheers. Yeah, great great shot, Lucas. I'm not even going to try and uh, improve on that. You said everything perfectly, but I, what I will say is that it. I think the reason that we remember Delhi so fondly is like the, the flip side of why we're not sorry and we're not even saying any nice words about Lacelso and Ndombele because Delhi delivered in the big games. You know, he scored in two FA Cup semifinals, got that famous assist for Lucas, his third goal in Ajax. You know, if you look at the first win we got at Chelsea in 30 bloody years, whatever it was, he got two goals. You know, he's done so many, he's contributed to so many great moments and that's fantastic. And he'll always be a a favourite to all of us because of that. And I think the flip applies to the other two because you're really struggling to think of anything. You know, you look at Undombele, it's like, oh, he scored twice against Wickham in the cup. Like, great. <laughs> you know, you're really scraping a barrel to find, like, Lacelso's got one league goal in two and a half years. So I think what Lucas said is absolutely spot on. Like, Delhi totally is a legend at Tottenham for what he's done and all the best to him. And, uh, yeah, agree with you 100%. Yeah, and it, that needed to be said of all the players. I mean, Brian Hill... We may see more of um, uh, my only thought is that, uh, and I've said it before on this podcast, I I wish he was uh, staying in league and getting experience in the Premier League. But um, but I'm glad that he's going to get some minutes, uh, whether it's in or out of the league. And if it keeps him happy for another year while he matures, then uh, maybe he'll come back and be a useful piece for us uh, down the road. Let's move the conversation along into the uh, Brighton uh, uh, match. So, um, we uh, um, we we took on Brighton. It was, we finally got the home leg of the uh, FA Cup, um, and I think most of us were coming in on long rest. We we're feeling pretty confident, but. Um, we had a first half performance that I think it was inspiring. So uh, let's talk about that first half to begin with. Like, uh, how did you guys feel uh, coming into this match? Uh, let's start with Catherine. Yeah, I was going to say that. And for some reason, I, not that I'm normally not confident, but I'm more of like a, okay, 
we might get a couple goals. Don't get too excited. Whatever the result is, like I'll find some positive and negatives. But before watching the match, I was fairly surprised at my confidence, maybe because we hadn't had a game in a while and that I was just excited to watch Tottenham and and that it was against Brighton. It wasn't, you know, one of the top six teams in the Premier League. And so I didn't have to be nervous and anxious about the match and who our starting 11 would be, who's going to be on the bench, all that type of stuff. Um, but I think the players felt the same way because they seemed to come out on the front foot right from the get-go where even right before Kane's goal, he he and Son were pressing and they were in the uh, final third just roaming around like I don't want to make the stupid England pun of but they were like lions <laughs> and so that was kind of exciting because we haven't seen that especially well not much under Nuno definitely not under Jose and if it was under either of those managers it was probably because of the players wanting to go out and either save face or show off their skills and talent. And so I thought that was exciting. And I know that Conte is often a manager who is seen as, I don't want to say more of a defensive manager, but he does have that style of having a three, five, two or um, of that sort where he can have fullbacks and wingbacks, but then also have five at the back too. Um, and so that was exciting that it seemed like how he set up the players and having the personnel on the pitch of everyone felt seemed like they felt like they had one mission of, okay, we're going to actually play as one unit today. And I thought it showed at least in the first half. Lucas. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it was really obvious that we were pressing as a group, which is not something we've even seen under Conte yet. It's um, we've seen bits and pieces of it, but like usually you have like Lucas Moore's up for it or Sun's up for it or Kane presses here and there. But it, it seemed like we had everyone kind of in on the same game plan, which was nice to see. And you see that guys finally buying in like that. It it um, it works. You know, it, it's something that we need. My my big thing that I've talked about for gosh, years, it seems like on this podcast is our ability when we get that early goal. I mean, when we get that early goal, we're never out of like options or creativity moving forward when we have that one, no lead. Whereas sometimes if it struggles, it's nil, nil going into the 70th or something. We seem like we, sometimes we run out of ideas or we're, we have all these different problems that arise. But when we can, when we get out on that front foot, we're such a dangerous team and it's just, it's fun to see. And it looked like we were definitely up for it. The second that game kicked off, we were pressing everywhere. Guys were making the right runs. We saw our fullbacks and we getting forward. Um, it was, it, it just seems to flow so smoothly. And I guess it's, it's obvious. Everyone can say, well, of course you look better when you're up one nil, but um, we specifically, the way our team and our personnel are designed are so deadly when we have that lead. And that's how you get these guys like for Royale's goal or the own goal or whatever, just, you get guys like that bombing forward and those types of scenarios that you might not get if it's just a nil-nil game. So it's it's us as a team are designed to be so effective when we get that early goal. So I love when we press like that and force these teams to make mistakes and you get a Harry Kane shot from 
when Harry Kane picks up the ball at the edge of the box like that, that there's usually one outcome. So um, it was great to see, and it was great to see him as excited and looking like he was before the whole summer nonsense. He seems like he's full on back to his old ways. So, I mean, if we can continue this type of that, like that effort we had in the first half, we can continue that going forward. I have just the highest amounts of optimism for the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree, Lucas. I, I, you know, I was going to talk about, we got to the pub and it was an awesome amount of people there. Everybody was in high spirits. It, there was nobody in that pub that thought we were going to lose that game, which is very rare. Everybody came in, everybody came in thinking confidence. I think it had a lot to do with the Romero was back there. We were all really happy about that. Some was back. Everybody's healthy time rested. Romero didn't go to Argentina. Like, like that doesn't happen. Usually it goes and, you know, picks up a knock. It's, it's just everything just felt right, and I think the whole vibe was good. I think they felt it on the pitch, and we definitely felt it at the bar. Um, and so I thought that meant a lot. And, and I think you're right, Luke. The way Kane's playing is he's, he's just back. He's just playing well. When he, when he took one look goal, he knew he could swindle that thing in the top right corner and just did it with ease. It was just that's – just that's a Kane Butte. It's just, it was amazing. Um, but I think the confidence having Son and Romero and, – and honestly, I'm not trying to get a hard on Tanganga, which I did last time in the pod – it's just whole. It's a, it's a whole different team when you're not sitting back with a young kid who's not comfortable playing in a three back there. Um, he's. It's just. He's a nice player, and he's. I think he should have been loaned out honestly and get him some solid minutes, even if in the championship. Um, but uh, that's where I kind of stood on the, uh, on how the game started. I'm so glad you mentioned, by the way, Sai, um, that you mentioned Sun because. I know everyone loves Sun. Who who doesn't? Well, if you don't, you probably don't <laughs> listen to this podcast. But um, it's just an injection of not only positivity, but just the he's so skillful and he knows where to be. He knows who to pass to. He knows the even the goal celebrations. Even just having that back is well. I think I think Catherine. I think he's. He's also the only player in history that is somehow faster on the ball than off the ball. It's the, <laughs> the yeah. strangest thing I've ever seen. I've never and seen I anyone was... be faster when you have the ball at your feet. And that's so welcome, though, Lucas. Like, just having somebody who can progress the ball forward and know the like, what Lucas, what you were saying earlier, just that we looked like a cohesive unit and that we weren't, like, all – fractured or, or unstructured and having that sun cane link up is always great. And so I'm glad that you mentioned sun's eye. All right, Joe. Yeah. I mean, agree with everything. Like with this was a really good game for us. Um, you know, the last two games we played this system, if you discount the weird way we set up against Chelsea, when we had the two, like full two sets of fullbacks and we tried to park the bus. If you take that game out and look at the Leicester game and this game where we played the same system, the three, five, two, both games been great. Um, you know, we had like so many shots against Leicester and in this game, you know, like Lucas said it earlier, Brighton are a good side, really good side. I think they'd only ever did all the season. They'd only lost one away game in 90 minutes. And um, the whole season, the other game they lost was in, on penalties, I think, in the League Cup. Um, so they're, you know, they're no mugs. And we made them look like a very ordinary side. Like Romero just bullied 
Mopey completely bullied. I mean, for the guy who's been out injured for three months to come back and dominate a game like that was just absolutely brilliant to see. He's such such a good player. Um, uh, Joe, I heard I heard a stat that this was only the second time under Conti that Romero started. Oh, how yeah. crazy is that? <laughs> like, so that's yeah. like a whole new signing too. That's crazy, isn't it? And he got sent off, didn't he? On the one of one of the games, he got sent off, didn't he? In Europe against. Um, one of the clowns that we were playing against in the Europa Conference League. Can't remember who it was. Um, yeah, so, yeah, the old cliche applies here that that is for sure that's like a new signing. And there were good performances all over the park. I know we're going to get into it when we do MVP, LVP. But I, I was I couldn't agree more with what you guys have already said. I think it was a brilliant performance, really encouraging to see, and against a good team as well. Um, so take a lot of positives out of this one. Now, in the second half, um, uh, Brighton did change up their formation a, a little bit, and uh, um, and that seemed to throw us for a loop, didn't it? Like that, it did become a little bit hairy there for about twenty minutes, but then uh, we kind of were able to cycle back. Um, let's talk about the second half a little bit before we go to MVP, LVP. Uh, Lucas, well, I think um, in the second half, Brighton came out and they were throwing everything they kind of had at us and. You got to give them credit too. Like they had, I mean, Basuma's a great player. So I mean, he he showed that that goal he had took a weird deflection, but he had been um, unfortunately Hugo wasn't able to really do anything. But I think Hugo deserves a special shout from he had a couple of nice saves right off the start of that second half that kind of helped us grow in a little bit and get into the second half. But I think the thing I was most excited about again was just um, we didn't let it fluster us, and that's the second time I've seen that under Conti where we've had the lead. We've allowed the goal, and then instead of like freaking out or allowing there to be a 20-minute lull or something like that, we've gone right back down the pitch and actually gotten the just taken the lead back. Or in this case, extendedly, we did it against West Ham in the cup uh, or in the League Cup a few like a month or so ago. Went down, we're up one, they equalized, and then within two minutes we were right back on top. And that's exactly what you want to see: is that okay? They were into it. Fair play to Brighton; they actually came out and looked great. Got one, had a got one on us, but we didn't let it get to us, and actually just came back out, bombed right back down the pitch, and got the two goal lead back within three minutes. So I think that was something that I was so excited about was that mentality that is clearly something that Conti's got in us that I haven't seen us play like that under previous. Even Poch, I didn't see us do that often. Sometimes we would get rattled in that goal, or that would that would turn into a two two game by seventy five as opposed to us coming back out and just retaking the game right then and there. Now, Lucas, you're right. And to your point about when we were earlier, we were talking about the press and we were pressing down to, uh, up to one. We didn't sit back at all. I mean, I remember, uh, I can't remember when it was, maybe like 70th minute. Davidson was sitting there almost in <laughs> oh, yeah. striker position. And he was sitting there waiting for the, so he wasn't offside. It's like Davidson sitting, making sure he's not offside on, on an attack. Um, that's a Conte thing. He's, he's willing to push these guys up and let them fly because people are. Um, confident that their 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 partners back there are going to are going to back them up so just in, in, in this new Conte uh movement in the in the press has been really it's been really great yeah joe yeah just look what lucas said a minute ago got me thinking and we did it you think the leicester game as well you know we we scored that equalizer <laughs> then we, we weren't going to sit on that and take the draw we went for the win and i think you're right it's you, like you guys are saying it right here there's Definitely a mentality shift behind this, you know. I think um, Kante's system, it, it's very functional, isn't it? So he gets these, 
he's and it, the players have taken a bit of time to get used to it, but hoping now we're seeing the kind of it come to fruition that they're getting more comfortable with the system as time's gone on. He's been here for like three months now, so they've got a chance to properly get used to it, and we're starting to see them because these are the same players. I know we've got the two new guys who both came off the bench, but. Other than that, it's the same players that were playing so badly under Nuno. You know, you can't believe it. It really hits home the difference it makes having an elite coach because he's got the same group of players, but they look completely transformed from the the kind of hopeless performances that we were seeing um, under Nuno in particular, you know. So long may it continue. It's, uh, you know. Joe, 100% agree. It's it's, and I think the biggest stat that I saw that backs that up is right now. If you take away under Conte, if you take away the uh, few Chelsea games there that were just disasters, other than that, we're averaging about six and a half to seven shots on target a game. And how many times under Nuno did we see this group of players finish with one or zero shots on target? It's the same guys. <laughs> so to be like to have zero shots on target was appalling, and all of a sudden we're just averaging seven a game. It's just. It's it's a hundred percent that these guys are starting to buy in and they're starting to get comfortable in their roles. Well, and and Harry Kane has have, has positive things to say about Conte now, which took a little bit a little while for him to speak up, but um, he, he's certainly uh, starting to flourish in his system, and you're, you're seeing him have those positive feelings for him, which is really nice to see um, with his comments that I think were yesterday. Um. Uh, uh, Catherine, did you have anything to add to this before we go to MVP, LVP? Um, well, it might roll into MVP, LVP. Um, I was just going to say how nice it was, kind of like what I was mentioning before, the Sun-Kane link-up, that it was nice to see Kane have that vibrancy to his game back. And, and like what you guys were just saying, that having an elite coach who actually manages a team instead of just pointing out maybe deficiencies or what we can do to not lose. Like you want to have a manager who coaches to win instead of coach to not lose. And I think having Conte in is helpful for not only the, the new players that we just are signing in or even the new players who maybe are like what I was mentioning before with uh, the the youth squad and and maybe coming up from that and having some training uh, sessions with Conte and the rest of the older first team players, but it's going to be helpful for the first team players, whether you're an England international or uh, like I said, just a a new player in the squad. And so um, I don't know if you want my MVP right now because me mentioning Kane kind of rolls into that, but I thought. He played so well. Um, it wasn't one of his, uh, like, I'm just going to boss the whole game and be the the name on the pitch. But he was everywhere. Like, at one point, it was really weird because he was in our 12-yard box and, or 18-yard box. And, um, and then also Sanchez and... Romero, I think it was Romero, were on the opposite side. <laughs> like, they all kind of switched where you could tell that uh, Kane was really into the match, that he uh, wanted to be on the pitch, wanted to make his uh, his mark, and, and I thought that he did exceptionally well during the game. 
Yep. Uh, let's go to. Uh, I was going to. Oh, I, I was. I was just going to jump in if we were doing the MVP, just because I, I will just piggyback off that. Kane was my MVP as well. Um, I think there's a lot of shout outs to be had. I think guys like Romero could have had the shout for it, but um, Hugo maybe as well. But I think for me, it was Kane just because you get to see when he's clicking and he's firing in all cylinders like he's capable of. I love when he has a game like that where he has a brace and both goals could not be more different from each other. One's picking up the ball at the edge of the box and just whipping one in like his vintage style. The other's him just crashing an opportunity and getting a scrappy one as it goes across the line. So when he's on when he's on form like that, it's just he's just capable of doing it from so many different ways and it's it's just fun to watch again. So Kane was mine. Great. Uh Cy, who do you have? Yeah, I mean I I I'm with you. It's 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 nice to say Kane. It's it's really nice to be like it's 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 Kane. Um I, I really like the fact that uh, Joe made a good point about Romero. He he balled all game, so I would love to give a shot to Romero for it. But I mean Kane when Kane and Son are linking up, this team is really tough and dangerous in the final third. And that Sun run, reminiscent of um not not that reminiscent of the the full length run he had against uh was that West Ham or I can't remember Burnley. I can't remember Burnley. Exactly. Yeah, I was there. Lucas um, was there. Yeah. But I mean, that that run was Latin, uh, yes, sir. Sunday was just amazing. And put it and came in the right spot to get the the touch in. Really, it was that's really good stuff. So I I I'm going Kane. Yeah, it's tough not to, isn't it? And I I'll, I'll just jump in. I agree with you guys, Kane. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, uh, anything but an honorable mention. Yeah, I agree with everyone. Kane, definitely. Lucas, that's such a good I was there moment that you were there for Sun's uh Sun's goal. Um, well the best was Catherine and I were at the Norwich game in uh December and that was my first time back because of COVID. And all of a sudden I was my last time was getting to see Sun have that one, and then all of a sudden Lucas Moore picks up the ball and does that goal against uh-huh. Norwich. So I was thinking I'm like, if this one like to be a regular was, thing, every time I come down. over somebody gets a worldie, I'm I'm more than uh, happy making that a new tradition. They'll start paying you to go to the games, man. That's, <laughs> that's great. Um, just to just to like tie a bow with it, I think you're right about Kane. It, it, again, like with the overall team performance, it's so encouraging. He had that great game at Leicester, and I was on the podcast then, and we were chatting about it, saying, you know, he's back to the old Kane. And I think Sai mentioned it again with regards to this game. I think it is like the Kane of old. You know, it's so great to see. Um, so I mean, he's. He was the best player on. Well, actually, Basuma would have a good, good case for Man of the Man. He was brilliant, wasn't he? What a what a player he is! But uh, definitely Kane from from my point of view, MVP. Yeah. Well, this one's going to be a little bit harder. If anybody has anybody, um, let's do LVP. Um, was there anybody that you think underperformed? Silent looks like he wants to take it first. So let's start with him. Well, it it came in my head. It's no real LVP, but. Uh... You know, I'm wanting a lot more out of Reggie, just in general. I just feel like I'm waiting for him to, like, have that turn-up game where, like, he just blows it open. He's owning that side of the pitch. He's getting the right crosses in. He started early in his career here, um, but he's been kind of, in my eyes, just a little bit sleepish. Um, not to say he had a bad match. I don't think anybody really had a poor match. But it, I'm just waiting for that. And I saw him kind of lose the ball a couple times and – couple of plays where he's just not in the right place to get the the ball forward i don't it just for me he was reggie slim pickings here yeah i could see that uh i'll agree with you just to make it easier and uh, let's go to uh catherine next well as i am on most podcasts 
I can never decide because especially with a win and even though we did have a a one goal or two goal one goal from Brighton two goals uh different goal differential um it's difficult because it I thought it was a ra- rather resounding win because of the quality that we had the um and just what we put out on the pitch and so it it would seem I think disingenuous of me to have an LVP but I definitely understand Sai what you're saying because with Reggie like you just want him to bomb up the pitch and have some great crosses get some assists like make his mark and so I can understand what you're saying I don't think I would necessarily put him as LVP but I can understand how that would be a caveat I know for me from this game so okay let's go to Lucas next yeah I I kind of agree it's so hard in a game like that where I think everybody played so well it's hard to deem an LVP and I get the regular argument um sometimes it just it seems like it'd be it's either it seems like it's either Royale or Regulon's having a great game, and it's it'd be so nice to see them both click at the same time. And uh, it just seems like we haven't got both of them firing at once yet. But I would actually give mine to my own flesh and blood here. Something you don't often hear me do. I'm going to give mine to Lucas, um, I, and I don't want to throw him under the bus because I think one of the things we've always we've often criticized about him was his passing. But I think in that I think his passing's been fantastic lately. Uh, I think he's been finding he's been hitting guys on the move in like tight windows and he's been actually delivering some really great balls. But I think yesterday wasn't one of his best performances or excuse me, Saturday. I think he kind of disappeared for like a couple like 10 to 15 minute windows where he was just a ghost and he wasn't getting involved in the play moving forward as much. But again, I, I still think he played very well and just, but it wasn't up to my standard of him. Yeah. yeah that, that's a good shout there. Cause it was just a little bit less than usual. And we did see the difference after the substitutions. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I don't really have anyone for this game. I mean, I uh, probably Lucas, I agree with you. I'd say Luke, your namesake Lucas, had a quiet game. But, you know, it wasn't LVP worthy. He was just, you know, that's okay. He's been playing great lately and you can't play brilliant every single game, can you? I think Sai makes an interesting point with Regalon. Um, I don't really notice it so much in this game, but I and maybe in this game, in sort of fairness, to, he was against Lamptey on that side, and Lamptey's so good. Maybe he was been a bit more kind of cautious with with that because last time we played Brighton at home, Lamptey killed us. He scored in that game and kind of was their main man. So maybe that fed into it a little bit. But I I I do agree with you overall on Regalon. I. I he started so well and I thought he was going to be an amazing player and he's maybe kind of leveled up a little bit. I don't know. But I think there's a good player in there. We just need to get him going. And I'm sure Conte with his system, I mean, he's made for this 3-5-2, isn't he? He's a wing back, like a pure wing back. Whereas someone like Emerson, bless him, you know, he's just not, he's a right back and we, he's been asked to play right wing back. So it's not as natural, but I think Regulon's going to do well. And we've also got Sessegnon as backup, who's another good option in that in that role. But uh, honestly, for this game, I I thought everyone was was good. I think it was a good game for us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
Well, with this victory, um, we advance in the FA Cup, uh, and uh, on Sunday morning there was the uh, the draw. And um, I do have in your notes, if you guys have them, uh, what the total draw, but but um, we we drew Middlesbrough away. Um, not a bad draw. What do you guys think? I I don't have any thoughts on Middlesbrough as a, a collective this year. I have not watched them, nor did I do any research on them before this podcast. But I did go to the Borough Spurs away match on January 3rd, I think it was, in 2020, um, before everything kind of shut down at the Riverside. And it's a great day out. It's really fun to be there. You're near the the river. And, well, obviously, it's called the Riverside Stadium for a reason. Um, and they they do have some ties to Spurs, and so that's kind of nice to see. And uh, they always seem very up for it. They're, they have a really good base of supporters, and they have always decent quality of players, but... Of course, they're not in the Premier League, so um, hopefully that we can show our quality, our better quality, <laughs> and uh, and succeed in advancing. Well, and just so you guys have a sense of the other draw, we have Luttentown versus Chelsea, Palace, Stoke, Petersburg, uh, City, Liverpool, Norwich, uh, Southampton, West Ham, uh Forest, uh, Huddersfield Town, Everton, or no, uh, I'm sorry, was it Everton or Bournemouth? Everton. Ever- it was Everton. E- Everton yeah, and uh, uh, Boreham Wood. So uh, uh, th- that's the rest of the draw. So we could have certainly done worse. Uh, um, there's only a couple of options to really do any better than we, <laughs> than what our draw was here. Um, Go ahead, Lucas. Oh, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, no, I, I think um, it, in terms of the draws you could get, um, it wasn't the worst. Um, but they're, again, they're, this is not a team of slags. They just went to Old Trafford and knocked out United. So this is a team that's certainly capable. Uh, we got to be up for it. Um, I hope we will be. But um, the one thing you'd love to see from a draw when you get a draw like that is you would love to see some of the other heavy hitters get paired up against themselves. And that was the one thing that just kind of sucked was you saw like, City gets Peterborough. He's like, oh, give me a break. Like Chelsea gets some schmucks. It, it, it's like, so pretty much uh, Liverpool gets Norwich at home. So unfortunately, if we do get through this, we're going to begin to the quarterfinals and we're going to have Liverpool, West Ham, Chelsea, uh, City. Like They're all going to be there too. So we're just kind of postponing the inevitable if we're able to get through. We're going to have to get through some of these big dogs at some point. But um, yeah, I think this will be a, it'll be a good fun day out and hopefully we can get the job done out there and like I said, it's not the worst draw. We could be going to Anfield right now, so I'll take I'll take the Riverside instead. Side, uh, yeah. I mean, Lucas, you're dead right, but that, I'm a little worried about. I watched that match against United. They played them really well. I mean, they they played them really well to, to even get tied one one there late and to beat them in penalties was pretty amazing. They haven't lost. They've lost one match since the end of November. They've been climbing the championship. Um, they're 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 pretty they're in good form. Um, so I don't think anybody should be sitting there going, oh, thank God we got Middlesbrough. This is going to be a tough one um, for me. So, Joe? 
Yeah, dead on, Si. I was going to say something similar to you. I, I looked at their form, and Black, I think Blackburn beat them maybe two weeks ago, and they're the, the only team that's beaten them, in, like you say, since November. So they're on a great run, but that might help us in a way because maybe they're just going to be like, you know what, let's focus totally on promotion. You know, the championships are tough league. You've got to play 46 league games and then playoffs potentially. So maybe they'll just be not as, you know, focused on the FA Cup as they are on um, on getting promotion. But I agree with you. It, you know, you can't underestimate a team in the championship on good form um, at all. And Catherine, you're right. The stadium, I've been to Middlesbrough a couple of times as well. It's a good, it's a good away day. Quite a intimidating. Like it was quite a modern ground when it got built in the nineties, and now it's like seems a bit kind of of its era. But it's a good away day. And I mean, last time we went there, the game you went to, Catherine, we only scraped a draw, didn't we? And then took them and, and beat them at home. But I'm, yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> the away the away leg. Yeah, we we beat. Them. I think that's a very rare collector's item of Lacelso scoring a goal when we beat them at, at home. It was one of his one of his like four goals that he scored for us. But is that the one where Robbie Keane's kid like stole the ball at the stole the ball? The yeah, league. that was it. Yeah, kicked it all the way into the goal, didn't he? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because Jonathan Woodgate was manager for them at the mm-hmm. time, and and Robbie Keane was either a coach or an assistant or something. He was in on the coaching staff. So like Catherine said, they've got a few historical ties to Tottenham. But um, yeah, I'm with Sai. I think this is a, a potential banana skin of a game. I'd almost rather get a Premier League, like, you know, Norwich is a much better draw, for example, than Middlesbrough, even though they're in a higher league. But, um, you know, you, like you say, you guys already said it, we could have got Chelsea away for the fourth time in a few months. So let's just be grateful that that didn't happen. I have faith in the posh boys of Peterborough against City. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and to answer Big Bird's question, I don't think any of us want to draw Chelsea, even with our reinforcements. Um, but um, but I think that's a good place to wrap up this half. Um, we, the second half, we are going to preview both the Southampton and Wolves, both home matches that we have coming up this week. Uh, but first, we have two halftime segments. So let's go to Catherine Spurs Women Update. Thanks, Anthony. And hi to all you listeners. Sorry you're going to be hearing my voice for a few minutes, so I hope you stick around. Uh, And I'm back with the Spurs women segment, that means. And so lucky for you, I have match recaps and a look ahead to what's next for the squad. Most recently, Spurs women had quite a few games, and though the team has lost some of the spark that led to them grabbing late winners or three points in some cases, I think the team can still provide some quality in the second half of the season. So for some of the most recent matches, there's been a somewhat of a downward turn in the results, but I think Rianne Skinner and the coaching staff can turn that around. So starting on January 16th, Spurs women played to a 1-1 draw in a league game against West Ham, which was an unfortunate point as they were well on their way to grabbing three points until West Ham scored in the 91st minute. After the match, Skinner noted that the team dominated the game and moved the ball really well. She also recognized that, quote-unquote, the game should have been out of sight by the stage of the game where we concede. So my personal assessment is that it's good that Skinner is at the helm after matches like that because she, because you know that she will methodically take the team through the errors that led to the uh, 91st-minute equalizer and how to subsequently improve in the next game and the next game and so on and so forth. And so then after that disappointing draw in the league, Spurs women defeated championship side Liverpool in the League Cup 1-0 on January 19th. And to the surprise of nobody, 
Rachel Williams scored the match winner in the 72nd minute. And after watching the highlights, I should say that although it ended 1-0 on any other day, the team could have slotted home three or four goals. Alas, the three points were taken and the team advanced in the League Cup to then take on Manchester City. Then next up on January 23rd in the Women's Super League, which was a match away against Manchester United. Unfortunately, the Reds were too much as Spurs women lost 3-0. And similarly, Tottenham faced fellow Super League club Leicester City in the FA Cup. Spurs women saw a 1-0 lead after an Angela Addison goal in the 62nd minute turned into a disappointing 3-1 defeat after Leicester Power City overpowered Tottenham in extra time. And then after the two, those two defeats against United and Leicester, one in the league and one in the FA Cup, Spurs women looked to bounce back against Manchester City. Unfortunately, City, like the men's team, in that they have a lot of money and quality, were able to defeat Spurs 3-0 in the semifinal of the League Cup. Despite their disappointment, there's a lot to learn from the run, and speaking from having an eye on Spurs women over the past five or so seasons, I'm confident that with just a few additions, and tweaks to the squad, Spurs women will win either the League, League Cup, and slash or the FA Cup in probably two or three years. So we'll get there eventually. We just have to bide our time. And then next up was a 4-0 win at home against Brighton over the past weekend on Sunday, February 6th. Kaya Simon scored first after an incredibly lofted assist from Molly Bartrip in this 13th minute. This specific goal actually reminded me of the Deli Alley goal against Arsenal that saw Kane loop a ball in from the halfway line, and then Deli controlled it and chipped it over. So go and watch that the Deli goal, and then maybe watch the Simon goal to, for comparison, because um, I thought it was really cool. Uh, then after the halftime, uh, Ashley Neville was substituted in and had a great goal in the 58th minute off of a lovely sl- slotted assist from Rhea Percival. The third goal was from Captain Shalina Zdorsky, a great goal to show anyone who says that following up after a keeper bobble isn't worth it, as the goal was from maybe a yard out. And as a defender, Zdorsky doesn't get too many goals, so this was fun to see. And then the fourth and final goal was Simon getting her brace from a Neville assist in the 64th minute. And then also speaking of Kaya Simon... We also have international play, and she scored twice for Australia in the, one of the biggest routes I've probably ever seen with the Matildas beating Indonesia 18-0 to to start off Australia's Asian campaign. Simon had a goal also in the 4-0 win against the Philippines on the 24th of January. And then also South Korea's Cho Soi-hyun played 88 minutes in a 3-0 win against Vietnam and grabbed an assist in the 90, 90th minute. Or, and she... And, assists and in the 90 minutes that she played in a 2-0 win against South Korea on January 24th as well. And then after Kaya Simons Australia were defeated by Cho South Korea, the South Korean team advanced to the Asia Cup final after Cho grabbed a goal in a 2-0 win against the Philippines. Then, meanwhile, <laughs> Tang Jiali advanced to the final with Ch- with China, so it was a Spurs versus Spurs final with Tang's China and Cho South Korea in the Asia Cup. Ultimately, China and Tang defeated South Korea with a full-time score of 3-2, with Tang scoring and grabbing an assist. So congratulations to Tang on winning the Asian Cup. And then also, I have a little bit more. So speaking of internationals, Victoria Schneiderbeck signed as a loanee from Arsenal for the remainder of the season. 
The Austrian captain previously spent more than a decade at Bayern Munich, and as Skinner noted in the press release, Schneiderbeck is an experienced center half who brings a lot of value to the team and can establish control both in and out of possession with her ball control. So from my, my point of view, even though she's had 40 or so appearances for Arsenal, and despite understanding that the women's game doesn't have as fierce of rivalries and tribalism as the men's game, and knowing that I personally don't like that Arsenal uh, versus Tottenham divide isn't as contentious in women's football, I can understand and appreciate that Schneiderbeck will bring the quality in defense that we need and the quality that we've seen since, say, like Shalina Zdorsky has joined the team and become captain. So with that said, I'm cool with the, the competency and talent of Schneiderbeck to Spurs. And then a few more things as I close out. I want to give you an update on the WSL table. Tottenham are sitting pretty in fourth with 24 points after playing 13 matches, winning seven and drawing three. Above Spurs in the table are Arsenal in first with 30 points, Chelsea in second with 28 points, and Manchester United in third on 25 points. The three teams that Spurs need to keep an eye on that are below us in the table are Reading, surprisingly, in fifth with 22 points, and then both Manchester City and West Ham respectively respectively, in sixth and seventh places, but both with 20 points. So finally, as I close out, I need to mention that Spurs women are, women are scheduled to play Birmingham City away on the 13th of February in the league. That match should be able to be viewed on the FA Player, which is at faplayer.thefa.com. Also, I especially as I never know when I'll be on upcoming Four Star Spurs episodes, I must follow you on in some March dates. Uh, of matches. So Spurs women should kick off at 2 p.m. local time or 8 a.m. U.S. Central Standard Time against Reading in the Women's Super League on Sunday, the 6th of March. Then the following Sunday, the March, uh, th- the 13th of March, Spurs women are also scheduled to play Manchester City at home in the league. And then, of course, because God hates Spurs, there will be two London derbies a few days apart as Spurs women play Chelsea, previously postponed, but scheduled for now on Wednesday, March 23rd at 7.45 p.m. local time at Kings Meadow Stadium. And that's followed by a North London Derby at the Emirates as Spurs play Arsenal on March Sunday, March 26th. So that, I know that was a lot, but uh, that's all for me this time. And hopefully you have your fill of Spurs women. I'm always around as a resource for anything Tottenham, whether it's a men's team, women's team, or even if you have just questions regarding traveling to matches from the U.S. Uh, so feel free to message, message me on Twitter at Catherine Rupp for questions or comments or just a chat. And oh, that's it for me this time. Now on to Lucas. Let's go to Luke's Locks. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, I wish you had given us the lowdown on that Australian women's game because that 18 nil would have been a nice game to have the over on but for any of you other guys trying to make some money here are your midweek locks for these upcoming midweek games we have first we're going to take Spurs minus one at home against Southampton Spurs have some positive momentum going which is wonderful and I think we owe Southampton a proper hiding for that VAR debacle game last month so I think we're going to show up take Spurs minus one at the lane Next, for two and a half goals in the Wolves-Arsenal game on Thursday. I think Wolves are always capable of getting a goal at home, but I think Arsenal, with all the rest that they've had from not being in the FA Cup, will be a bit too strong for them and probably get a few themselves. So over two and a half goals is going to be the play there. Third, we're going to take Villa minus the half goal at home versus Leeds. 
Uh, Villa seems to be moving in the right direction. They've had a couple of good performances their last time out with that solid draw against United and the win against Everton. Uh, so they're moving in the right direction, and I see them coming out and being the better side in this one. They'll be well-rested and ready to win. So take them minus the half goal there. Finally, another Thursday game. Going to take under three and a half goals in the Leicester-Liverpool game at Anfield Thursday night. Um, I think Leicester are going to show up and be a little bit more tighter, uh, have a little bit more at the back. Um, so I think this one's going to be a little bit more lower scoring than we would expect and that the line there wants us to believe. So under three and a half goals is going to be your play there, although Liverpool will probably safely get the three points. There are your four free money picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks as always, Lucas. And let's roll into the second half and uh, uh, these two matches that we have to preview. Um, so, um, as Lucas uh, said there, like we owe a little bit of revenge to Southampton. So, this uh, just two short days from as we're recording, uh, we'll be taking them on at home. Um, obviously, we had that 1-1 draw, the VAR, uh, during uh, the holiday period. Uh, it was the, the last one in the cycle where we performed pretty well and we, we eked out a draw uh, despite the... Uh, uh, despite what happened, but they're in 12th place in the league with 25 points, five wins, 10 draws, seven losses. Um, Ward Prowse is probably their uh, biggest threat right now. As far as goal scoring, um, they did uh, advance in the FA cup uh, this past Saturday and uh, they, uh, they drew city prior to that. Uh, so they are, uh, they have had a couple of okay performances coming up. How are you guys feeling about this match? Uh, let's start with Joe. So I think Southampton, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Anthony. James Ward-Prowse. I just say, if I was setting up the team against Southampton, I'd say do not foul anybody anywhere close to the penalty area because that guy is unbelievable on free kicks. Just do not concede any free kicks. And we, we should be okay against these guys, I think. Um the striker, Broger, I think is, is pronounced his name. I think he's on loan from Chelsea. He is pretty good, actually. Young, strong kid, fast. He's a handful. Um, so I don't expect a easy game, but I, I think with home advantage, I, I think we've got enough to, to beat Southampton. Like I say, Ward-Prowse is free kicks. We've got to be wary of. Um, but if we keep playing like we have been doing with this 3-5-2, um, I'm I'm pretty confident about this game. Although they do have a good record against like the stronger teams, I'm thinking I'm pretty sure they drew at Chelsea and Manchester City. Um, so they've you know they've done okay against a few of the bigger teams, but I'm pretty confident we're gonna get a get a win in this game. Yeah, they did definitely seem to rise to challenges from what we've seen this year. Let's go to uh, Lucas next. No, I think what Joe kind of touched on something there with Ward-Prowse is they give off to me, they have this similar thing with West Ham where is if, if you make them, if you force them to actually try to work the ball through you from open play, you have a thousand times better chance of beating them if you give them stuff around your final third. And if you give them stuff around the box, they have guys like Ward-Prowse that they just time and time again, it's always him. It's like before him, it was always Danny Ings. It's like, there's always one guy of theirs that just will give you nightmares. Um, but I, I think with the boosts in fitness that we have with even Romero coming back, I think Dyer will play. I think he should be able to, right? Because I think it was just a niggle that he had 
and it was a precautionary thing not having him in against Brighton. But I think we could see one of our best defensive lineups out there um, is as complement to the way we've been playing. So it's like we could still play this attacking style. All we're doing is just putting our better people back there in the back line, which is something that's wonderful to see. So I think if we could be smart and not give them anything, I, I can't see them breaking through us and scoring multiple goals. Um, I, if we give them something cheeky from a corner or a set piece, then that that's where they can hurt us. But I, I don't see them from the run of play being able to net two or three. So I, I would hope that we come out and play this similar to we did on set, uh, on Saturday or treat it similar to we did um, against Leicester. And if we see that type of team come out and that type of performance again, I don't see a way where Southampton really keeps up with us, especially at home. Yeah, and on the defense, can, can, I, I'm wondering if Ramiro can play both of these games. He's certainly coming back from injury. Are we going to give him uh, this this much congestion? He did get a bit of a break. Uh, he had to come off a little bit early in the uh uh, the, the match this weekend. So let's go to Cy next. Well, I was just going to say when he brings up the back three, I think that's where I'm interested to see. Do, you, do we think that, or do we think that Conte has Davies penciled in on the left side of that three forever? He seems to be loving Davidson. And if you have a healthy Romero, you got to play him. And Dyer's been just an absolute beast back there. So I guess my question is to you guys: Do we think that Conte would play? Conte would play Romero. Davidson, Dyer, and Sit Davies. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Honestly, like um, I would have said until a few weeks ago, I would have said definitely Davinson. I would take because, like you say, Davis he seems to really like on the left. He's a natural fit. You can play either Dyer in the middle or Romero in the middle. But kind of to your point, Si, like Davidson's had a total resurgence in the last few weeks to be fair I've often been <laughs> a bit critical of our friend Mr Sanchez but he's really improved to be fair and I I, I suspect we'll see rotation to, to kind of answer your question I you know we've got these two home games quick succession Southampton and Wolves I think he'll mix it up and match depending on the on the team um so I I think he's probably figuring that out to be honest I I I think we'll just see a bit of rotation there for now well, Conte has praised uh, Davison Sanchez to, as well. Like he, he seems to really like him. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I, I think that we would see if Conte had to choose right now to put his back three in. I think it would be Dyer in the center, Romero on the right, and it would be uh, Ben Davis on the left. And I think the thing that gives Ben Davis the edge over Sanchez, and fair play to Sanchez, he has looked much better in these last couple games. But I think the thing that gives Ben Davis the edge is – his ability to, with his with, with being on the ball, his ability to pick up the ball and immediately play it to his wing back, which is something that he does much better than Sanchez does, and that's something that you see Conti's his his center backs, his left and right center backs in that back three. That's one of their most important roles is to get the ball and recycle it forward quickly to your outplaying uh, wing backs, and I think that's something that being a natural. Oh, I think you froze up for uh, us on there for a second. Uh, But yeah, I I think that Ben Davis is much more comfortable uh, recycling the ball out to his wingbacks, and that's something that's really important to the Conte system. But I don't want to slag off Sanchez because I think he's been playing great. But these are good problems to have, you know. (laughs) So, 
I trust Conti to make those decisions over us. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, I think um, any final thoughts before we go to predictions? I was, just, I was just going to say that I think that we're giving more of the benefit of the doubt to our match against Middlesbrough than we are to Southampton, who are a Premier League team, because they have they're in the Premier League for a reason. They're they have quality players. They're they've been strong, but also they do have deficiencies. And I think that Hassan Hudel has gotten them to a good place. They I don't think that they would um, at the moment drop below and, and go to the championship, but also kind of like what you guys had mentioned that there's always the chance of a Ward Prowse goal. And so I'm not going to scoff at anybody saying that uh, he might score or one or two or anything. Um, but then also they have, uh, they have a few players that in years past, I probably would have enjoyed Spurs getting. Now I see that they probably wouldn't fit into our system. Um, but they also do have, uh, Theo Walcott and I'm always afraid of ex Arsenal players scoring against us and just giving us a huge, massive middle finger. And so I just hope he doesn't play (laughs) at all. Um, but that I was mainly wanting to espouse James Ward Prowse's talents in his ability for free kicks and then slagging off the Walcott. Well, let's go to predictions and let's start with Cy. I think it's going to be, um, I think we're going to win the match two to one, but I think it's going to be uh, a little tougher than we thought it was going to be. I think we're going to win it late two one. Um, I think Kane and Sun both score. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's go to Joe next. I'll say 3-1, just like the Brighton games, repeat of the same scoreline, and two goals for Kane again. Um, and our, one of our regular goal scorers popped up again against Brighton, own goal, our, our MVP for the season, own goal. Um, <laughs> I think Kane's going to score two in this game, and uh, let's say Kulisevsky scores a goal on his Premier League debut, just to make it a bit different. I like that. Uh, Lucas? Um, I have 2-0. I think if we could start off on the right foot like we've done these last couple games, I think we're going to be in a good position. Uh, So 2-0, and I'm giving it to Sun and Bergvain. Oh, Bergvain, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think think Bergvain, we're going to see rotations. I think Bergvain will get the start in this game over Lucas. Oh, yeah, that that could happen. Uh, Or Kula. Uh, Catherine? I think similar to what Joe mentioned, that it will be 3-1. And I think that, or I predict, I don't I don't necessarily think that this is going to happen, but I'm predicting it, um, that Kane will score. And kind of like what we were mentioning before with Sai and I, that uh, Regalon will have a great game, and I think he would score. And then also, it's due time for another kind of defensive midfielder to score. So I want Hoiberg. Um, see, Brighton was a very good side and we performed very well. And and we only just brought some of these new players in. Um, I th- 
I'm going to predict a high score here. I, I I think that maybe this is uh, where we turn it on and kind of have that explosion. So I'm going to say 4-1. Um, I am going to give a goal to Kane. Son finally gets his goal because he, he was struggling before he came back, um, and he didn't quite work one out, uh, though he was close uh, against Brighton. Um, so Son gets one. I'm going to give one to, to uh, Kulichevsky. Because uh, I just want to see uh, one of the new players get on the board. Uh, and we'll give the last one to uh, Bergbein. I think uh, I'd like to see after his big match uh, um, him come back and get a goal here. So, um, any final thoughts before we preview the Wolves game? Uh, so, this weekend we have another home match uh, against Wolves. Uh, uh, they're currently seeing an eighth place in the league with 36 points that's 10 wins four draws seven losses uh we do know that they clearly sold to barcelona treori um who we were uh targeting um but they still have some firepower uh with Huang jimenez um and um and obviously last time that we faced them in the league cup it was a 2-2 draw but we uh were able to take them on penalties um, and we beat them under Nuno at the start of the season as our uh, first away win of the season. Um, how are you guys feeling about this match against the Wolves? Uh, let's start with Joe. I, I think Wolves are really good. I think they're a team that are just like not... They've been a bit unlucky this season. Every time I've seen them, I've been really impressed with them. I know they lost in the cup to Norwich, which was a surprise. But if you look at the league results, they've been they've been doing really well. Um they're a tough team to beat. I think the manager, Large, has done a really good job since coming in. Um, I think he's improved them. Um, their problems just scoring goals. They've even the, the, in Nuno's day, you know, they weren't scoring many goals. <laughs> like when he was our manager, we weren't scoring many goals either. But that's kind of continued a little bit into this season. But they're a, they don't concede many either. You know, they're. They're a really solid side. Um, I saw them play at Manchester United about a month ago, maybe it was, and they won. They won at Old Trafford. Um, I've seen a couple of their games where they were just narrowly beaten. I saw them draw with Chelsea, and they probably should have won that game. So I think this is the tougher of the two games, for sure. Um, I I mean, the Traore thing's kind of funny. It was, honestly... Looking back, the idea to buy Traore and transform him into a right wing back, it was not a good idea, was it? Let's be. It would have been quite funny to see, just because of like just for pure chaos theory and just letting him run around like so fast down the down the wing. But I mean, Wolves never played him at right wing back, and they could have played him there. They they chose not to. It, it wasn't. I, I'm kind of glad we missed we missed out on that in hindsight. Um, but I do think they have a lot of good players, especially in the middle with Matinho and Neves. As a pairing, they're both technically great players on the ball. Um, yeah, I can see this being quite a, quite a tricky one for us. Yeah, definitely could be. Uh, let's go to Sai uh, uh, next. Or Lucas. Let's go to Lucas. Oh, Sai, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I'm with you, Joe. I, I, this is a really good attacking team. They're solid in the midfield. Um, should be interesting to see um, if maybe um, Benkura gets his first start maybe against the Wolves and try to like maybe sure up the midfield, our midfield versus them. Cause they're just, 
super talented there. Um, Trey Array wasn't really playing 90 minutes for the Wolves at, the, at that towards the end of, the, end of his run there before heading to Barcelona. Um, he used to come out with like 30 minutes left and just cause chaos, like you said. Um, and honestly, chaos would have been what he would have done for Spurs. It just it would have been nuts. Um, but I'm a little I'm a, I'm a little worried. I'm always worried about the Wolves. I feel like they're just just very solid. Um, and so yeah, for me, I'm I think it's going to be a tough match. Lucas? Well, it's funny that Joe mentioned them being unlucky and kind of what we talked about with that chip on our shoulder that we might have for Southampton. I could imagine a bunch of these Wolves players wanting to get a run out of us because I think they were probably the most unlucky game they had was in the first couple of weeks when they played us. I think it was the second game of the season, was it, maybe? We won 1-0 with Nuno. And it was like they battered us for 90 minutes and we had a deli penalty in like the 10th minute and that was all it took. But um, – yeah, this is a good team, and I think one of the things that they do really well is they frustrate you and keep you from playing the way that you want to play. Even Joe had mentioned some of their results. I think it was uh, their January was perfect. They won nil at United, beat Sheffield 3-0 in the Cup. Uh, Southampton, they beat 3-1. Brentford, they beat 2-1. Going back to December, had the nil-nil draw away at Chelsea that they probably should have won. Had a win over Brighton. And then they lost back-to-back games versus Liverpool and City, but those games were one nil each. And that's where the kind of they, they keep you from playing the style that you want to play, and they're really good at breaking up the middle of the field. So it'll be really interesting to see how we line up against them. Um, I think we do have the better side, and we have the fact that we're at home, which will be nice. Uh, we've got the extra day's rest. I know they play Arsenal on Thursday, but um, it'll be – It'll just be interesting to see. I think the lineup, um, I think one thing that we have over them, as I mentioned, like the Thursday thing, I think one of the big things is that ability to rotate. Um, so I'm hoping that Conti does a really good job with the game on Wednesday and the preparation going into Wolves. Because these are big, this is a big six points we have ahead of us with City the following week. Um, <laughs> let's be honest, we're probably not winning or getting a point away at City. That's not something we typically do. So these are um, with the one game we have in hand and on Arsenal, we have a couple games in hand on City and West Ham, but these are big games that we're going to need the points from is these manageable home games. So I think for me, the biggest thing to see is going to be how we line up. But um, if we rotate and the guys are still, as long as we have that same type of unity that we showed in terms of the sense of the game plan that it looked like we had against Brighton and Leicester, where it seemed like everyone was on the same page. I'm full of confidence, but by no means is this going to be a walk in the park because, like Joe had mentioned, Wolves is a really good side, and they're really, really good at frustrating these bigger clubs. Yeah, Lucas, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, that they are a good side, and also they just tend to frustrate opponents. I, The last match I went to before England shut down was the 3-2 loss at home against Wolves, and it was frustrating being there because Spurs played well, but Wolves played better. Um, Doherty scored. What's that? <laughs> Doherty scored yeah. that game. Sorry to interrupt you. I just felt I, I had to say he actually probably, scored a goal in that game against but, us, of course. <laughs> I don't really remember the game, probably because I had beer. Um, <laughs> and it was a loss, and so I didn't want to remember it. Um, but I do remember them... Like what Lucas is saying, they were so frustrating because they just came at you. It it was, it's like 
just the annoying little mosquitoes that get caught in your tent when you're sleeping outside in the woods in in the summer and you can never find them. And so you're trying to like grasp at straws and that's kind of like wolves where you're, you know where they're at, but you're trying to grasp at straws because they're, and not to take the Triori situation lightly, but they are a well-oiled machine and (laughs) they, uh, they, I think benefited in the past with having Triori because he's, an incredible player, even though he does, again, like any player, he does have some negative qualities, but um, it'll be interesting to see how kind of like what Lucas is saying, how we line up against them without having Triary as an opponent, but also they have some great players. Connor Cody has had 300 appearances for them and he's an England international and Jimenez is like I would take him and his. I also find it bothersome because he's a Mexican international and being all for the U S men's national team. I'm like, no, why would I do that? But he's a very good, talented player. And so they have some great people that it'll be an interesting matchup. And uh, yeah, it, it'll probably be frustrating, but we'll see how that goes. Well, any final thoughts before we go to predictions, uh, Lucas? Yeah, um, I, one thing I do know about this team, like we've used the word frustrating a lot, but it's I can't remember the last time we played Wolves and just convincingly went out there and stomped them. What I do know about this game on Sunday is that it's going to be, if we're if we're going to get the three points, it's going to require 90 minutes of focus. It's going to have to be a 90-minute effort because this team is what, like Catherine had used the Mosquito reference, this isn't a team that goes away. I mean, I remember us we like 2-0 up on them a couple years ago or – we're three nil up on them, and then we ended up squeaking out a three two. Or like like these games that we play against them seem to just be never over and never done with. Even I mentioned we beat them in the second game of the season. It was one nil, but that game was them on top of us for ninety minutes. Or we then played them a couple like weeks later. I think it was the end of September. We played them in the League Cup, and that was we were two nil up and with thirty something minutes to go and they made it two two and we had to squeak by on penalties. So it's like this team doesn't just go away. They don't just say, Oh, you're up one, like you go ahead and have it or up two nil, like just have it. Like this team's gonna fight for ninety minutes. So if we are gonna come out of there with the points, it's probably gonna take ninety minutes of it. Yeah, I, I agree, Lucas. And the only thing I had to say the before we ended is that uh having just lost to Norwich, they have their two big matches. We we just talked about that we play City and um you know, and a couple of big matches coming up for us. I mean, they're at Arsenal and they're at our, they're home against Arsenal. Then they're at us. Those are two big matches for them having just come off a loss and out of the FA cup. So they're going to have a chip on the shoulder. They're, they're going to need to win these matches or pull points from them. So definitely do not take Wolves slightly. Yeah. Those are the two teams that are, I think they're eighth and we're seventh Arsenal six, but we have, they're we're both two points ahead of them. So these right. are two games that they would more than one, be more than happy getting a point from. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, this could either be like uh, the one that spins them out of control, or or lead, leads them into Europa League. Like uh, solidly, they could knock some of uh, the big dogs out with uh, some good performances here. So yeah, it, it definitely is uh, one to worry about. Let's go to predictions. Um, let's start with uh, Joe first. 
So based on what we're all kind of on the same page with, I think it is going to be a tight game. Um, I think it's going to be one nil to us. I can see it being the kind of, you've all kind of alluded to the fact that they're a good team. They're going to have a lot of possession, um, causes some problems. And I think we'll just edge it. Um, Trying to think who I'm going to pick as my scorer without being too boring and picking Kane. Let's go. I'll say Sonny's going to be the one who's going to make the difference this time, just for just for variety. But I I can see it being a a tight game. Um, well, it's funny because we'll obviously be wanting we'll be chewing them on a few days before when they're playing Arsenal. Then we'll be wanting to, to them to play poorly when we play them. So let's hope they play Arsenal and beat them like. 5-0, but they're so tired from just running rings around Arsenal that they're uh, they're not quite at it against us and we, we get a 1-0. So I'm going to say 1-0 and Sonny scores the goal. I like your theory of it. Yeah, I, I, could, I would love to see that happen. Let's go to Catherine next. So I was in between waffling, thinking to myself, either 2-2 draw or 2-1. And I think I've been pushed over the line to say 2-1 win because why? Why the hell not? And I think the goal scorers will be Sun and Lucas. I'm sure Kane will get one of the assists, or both assists, but Sun and Lucas with the goals. Okay, I like it. Uh, Sai? Um, I'm going to be the downer, and I, I just think this is going to be a draw. I think it's going to be 1-1. Um, Wolves just don't give a lot of goals. I mean, if we score early, it could get it could get a little rowdy, but I just I see it one one, and I I think Dijon is going to get his first goal for the uh, for the boys. Oh, that would be nice. Um, uh, uh, Lucas. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a close one, but I think we go two one win. Um, I think it's two one, and I think our goals are from. I didn't say Kane scores on Wednesday, so that means he'll probably score on Sunday. So Kane and Son will each get one. We win two one. I like that as well. Um, uh, I think I'm going to go with Joe and say 1-0. Um, I want to say we're going to win this, and I think a lot does hinge on what the Arsenal result is, which I'm going to be paying close attention to beforehand. Because um, depending upon how hard they have to play, it might it might make a difference. on. And plus our match might make a difference for us how, uh, how tough Southampton uh, takes us on. So well, let's just uh, say we hope that we hope that Wolves beats, like Joe said, Wolves will take them out. Wolves wins five nil on Thursday, but then in extra time they get like six red cards. So that would be six <laughs> straight reds. That would be awesome, uh, unlikely but awesome. But yeah, I'll, I'll take the one nil. And I'll, to be boring, I'll say Kane's the goal scorer because it's. I think he's just most most likely to do it. Um, any final thoughts on the week that was and the uh, transfer window and everything we've talked about today before we wrap things up? Um, Joe has a final thought. Real, real quick. Just shout out Ericsson to Brentford. Isn't that that's great to see him um, yeah, yeah. playing football again and a good move in the Premier League as well. I hope he does great. It's a shame that we've already played them at home because I'm sure he would have got a great reception from the Spurs fans, and um, I'm sure we'll get one when we, we play them away. But that was a nice story to see. Yeah, that was, certainly was. Catherine? I also wanted to mention thank you to everyone who applauded uh, my friend's sister, Ashley, who passed away uh, 
a week ish ago. Um, it, I know it meant a lot to my friend Ross Savage and, and, um, going forward, I think I'll probably raise a glass or, or clap for everyone who's going through that type of thing, because you know, it's, it's a good thing. It's a light in somebody's life that is probably properly down at the, at the time. So thank you for everyone who applauded Ashley in the 39th minute that I know that meant a lot to him and his family. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I I like to like to see that when, when fans are being recognized in that way, when, um, because it, it, it fit, the fan base is so important to this, uh, sport and to the club in general. So, um, when they get, get that recognition, recognition in the stadium, I think it's, uh, well-deserved, uh, Cy? I just have one final thought. I mean, I, I saw that Livy went, Livy wants to sell us for 3 billion. You think we can scrap that together? <laughs> I, I wish I could scrap that together. Um, I'll check the piggy bank, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I, I, I do want to mention, like, uh, we did not talk about Hitchens leaving, uh, at all this podcast. Um, um, I'm guessing it has something to do with Paradigy, uh being in, in place, or, or maybe it was just time. Um, but uh, he, he, he had some uh, good acquisitions in his day, uh, I, I suppose. Like, he, he was here for some important transfer moments, um, and we didn't mention it during the transfer window, but uh, good luck to him, uh, whatever happened on, on his way out the door. Um but um, but we we should at least mention that he's departing. Um, anything else? Well, thank you so much. Uh, but that that about wraps it up. So thanks to uh, Joe, Lucas, Catherine, and Cy. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today. Charlie for the music. Sam for social media. Uh, Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It was a great atmosphere there for this FA Cup fixture late in the day for us here in uh, Chicago. Uh, but definitely come on out to future matches. We, we're, get, we're getting a lot of that um, crowd back, which feels great. Find our merchandise at Big Head Media. Find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the, the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.